0: you'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 17, and we'll read those first four verses there, and and then have a word of prayer, and then get into the message for this evening. First John chapter uh, 17, and verses 1 through 4, as we look at the heart of Jesus in prayer. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy uh, Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him and this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth, and I have finished the work, which Thou gavest me to do. Well, let's pray. Father. As we continue from this morning, Lord, this message, I I just pray once again, Father, that you'd make it clear to everyone. And and Lord, help, help us to see the love of both the Father and the Son for us. Help us to see and know that the heart of Jesus and what he has in this prayer is for us. And so, Lord, I pray Open my understanding. Open all of our understanding. May thy Holy Spirit, through the outstretched arm of God, touch every heart and open it to help them understand exactly what the Lord wants them to know. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we got started on this high priestly prayer of Jesus, as many like to call it. It's the outpouring of the heart of Jesus. Now, understand... He in the next three days he's going to be looking at being hauled off by the soldiers taken to the high priest taken to Pilate he'll be whipped with the Roman cat of nine tails and then he'll be placed on the cross he'll raise from the dead And he'll appear unto his disciples. So his next few chapters following this. And as I said this morning, if you read chapter 16, some of the things that you read in chapter 17 will be open uh, to it. But I uh, just want you to see that one verse stands out to me in John when I read this chapter. That is this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, Now, I want you to think of that. We talked somewhat about this this morning, but here you have Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We told you from Genesis chapter 1, he said, let us make man in our image. We said, God is the Spirit. And we found that in the book of Luke, that Mary is told, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And so we've seen the Holy Spirit was active in, in preparing by his Spirit inside of Mary in his own deity as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, being able to form a seed inside of Mary. According to Hebrews chapter 10, 5, we see that Jesus was formed by the Father inside of Mary. So we see that the Trinity Father Son And Jesus, the Son, He existed in eternity past. The Holy Spirit existed in the eternity past. The Father in eternity past. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. There was never a time God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit did not exist. What I want you to know is that Jesus was the Son of God, even in heaven, before coming to this earth. But then when he was formed inside of Mary by the hand of the Father after the Holy Spirit had placed that seed inside her and formed that seed to prepare her body for this. In doing all of that, that holy thing, the Bible says, that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Whereas he had always his Son in eternity past. Now, in a human body, he is the only begotten son of God because he formed them. You have children and you think this was a gift of God and it is those children that you have. But understand as well, it's a gift that has a responsibility to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord as a Christian parent to, you know, one of the things that should be the first thing that you would want to do as a Christian mom or a Christian dad is to lead your children to Christ. Some hope, well, I hope the preacher does it. I hope the Sunday school teacher does it. I hope this one does it, that one does it and leads them to Christ. Oh, my friend, the joy of leading your own child to Christ. Leading them in the way they should go training them up in the way they should go, helping them to know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But what was also pointing out to you this morning, a begotten son, and yet, he talks later in this chapter of the glory they shared together in heaven. He wanted to That glory not only be seen, be happen again, but he also wanted us to be able to see that. This is the heart of Jesus. He had a human body. One of the great things about the resurrection is, according to the book of Philippians, is that when we are caught up to be with the Lord, our bodies will be changed and be fashioned like into his glorious body. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And oh my goodness, this corruption putting on incorruption, this mortal putting on immortality, because Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. That love that exists between the Father and Son, and Jesus in his prayer near the end of this chapter will be saying, you love them father like you love me. They 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 need to know that. He's letting them know. Just think of that. The love the father had for Jesus and has for Jesus Christ, he has for us. Think of that. That's why that agreement was made in heaven before the universe was created because he knew he didn't create people to sin. But he created people with the free will, and there was a devil who would tempt them, and he knew that they would give in. By the way, we battle the hordes of hell. That is, we battle those devils that fell with Satan. They come after our life each and every day. They want us to fall. They want us to mess up. They want us to cause people to say, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. And so he's praying diligently for us in his 17th chapter. He loves us. But the Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. He wants to reveal The Father to us and glorify Him. The Father wants to glorify His Son to us. They want us to know them. You know, you read John chapter 16. And you'll see about praying to the Father. Because He wants to hear from us. That's why when we pray... We usually pray our Heavenly Father. Jesus pointed out, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a prayer that is that Jesus prayed during his earthly ministry and teaching the disciples how to pray. Why pray? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because his will is not done on earth. God has a will for every believer. If you're saved, God has a specific will for you. He has things that he wants you to do. You can look in the word of God and see what he wants saved people doing. I could just give one example that is an example that probably most preachers make that are fundamental preachers. And that is uh, not forsaking the assembling of our together as a matter of some is. That's a command. As a matter of fact, it's very imperative. Meaning, you'll be called to an account. If, if church is a hit and miss thing, uh, you'll wish it hadn't been a hit and miss thing with you when you get in to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and then you realize the loss of reward. But greater than the loss of reward will be realizing the penalty he paid on the cross because he had our sin placed upon him. He's dying for me because he loves me. But if I think back over the past, if I think of my failures and I think of my sins, yes, they're under the blood. Yes, I know they're forgiven. But I know each sin helped to pound a nail. I know that each sin wrapped a whip around his body. I know that each sin had him on the cross with nails driven into him. But far worse than that. I know that each sin had the outpoured wrath of his father upon his sinless human body that was bearing my sin. As we told you from the very beginning in Acts chapter 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. He, there's not anything, things we said this morning, that, that all of a sudden occurs to him that he had, had never thought of before. There's nothing that happens that we that surprises him. He knew the end from the beginning. Knowing the end from the beginning, but having such a deep love in his heart. He knew the sacrifice would be a great sacrifice. Think of this. The Jews would offer a lamb because it was a commandment of the law to offer a lamb. All that lamb had to meet specific things, especially whether it was a day of atonement, whether it's the Passover, all that lamb had to have special things. They would, the priest, they would examine it, find out if there was just a mark of any kind, any kind of sickness, any kind of anything with that lamb. If there was a lamb, that had some kind of a spot or some kind of a little bit of a problem with them, that lamb could not be offered. Why? Because it was a type of what was needed to die for us. You see, I could not die for your sin. You could not die for my sin. I could not die for anybody's sin. And no human being on the face of this earth today could die for our sin. This sacrifice had to be a perfect, sacrifice, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. In other words, he had to be sinless. But knowing the end from the beginning, even before I was born or you were born, God loved us with a love that's greater than any mother or father ever loved their child. That's the love of God. I know Jesus knew the end from the beginning as well. But I wonder how many times. It would come to his mind. In his human body. And see these people. That he's going to die for. And you see, one of the shames of the day of Christ is that many of those people he spoke to never received him as their Lord and Savior. And he was going to come and die for them, and he did. He could be the only perfect sacrifice. Understand this Jesus Christ was impeccable, he could not sin. Now, I've heard of preachers that preach, well, Jesus could have sinned, but he didn't. That's wrong. He was still the sinless son of God. I I remember somebody getting on to me about that and, and saying, you said that Jesus never stopped being a part of the Trinity, even when he's on the cross. Well, why did he say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I so said, that didn't stop him from being part of the deity, part of the Trinity. No, no. In his humanity, every time, there was a temptation on the mount, in the wilderness, on the top of the temple. There was those temptations. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet, after the temptation is over, there are angels sent to minister unto the Lord in his humanity. On the cross, there will not be an angel sent. He's bearing it alone. But in doing that, do you realize? When they're driving the nails in his hand, he said, Father, forgive him. They know not what they do. But do you realize also that the entire time he's on the cross, because of the way the Greek is worded, the Greek itself is showing that throughout the time on the cross that he's up there. And there are men down there cursing him. They're spitting on him. They're making fun of him. They're mocking him. And with all the evil they're throwing at him. His prayer is over and over. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I wonder, do we realize as Christians what we do with attitudes, wrong attitude, Something's going on, and there's that person that's going to be the gossip. We have a Christian school. In a Christian school, it could be very easy for a teacher to say, I don't like the way that they've made decisions out there. The administration's just trying to make it hard on us. In a church, that preacher, he's wanting us to do this and do that, and we don't have time to do all those things. He gets a Bible reading schedule. Look, we've got so much we've got to do as it is. Why is he throwing that on us? You know, and, and, and people can start talking to other people and try to uh, get them on their side to bring them down. And if you allow yourself to get brought down, you have pleased the devil because he got a victory. Oh, look the standards that church has. That is so pathetic in this day in which we live. That, that, that's crazy. You just won a victory for Satan. Understand. Jesus died with all of that on his heart and mind. He knew it. The father, this is his son. They've communed throughout all eternity past. They were together when they were Deciding about creating the heavens and the earth and making man after their image. They were together on that. They loved one another. The father loved the son. But it wasn't until Jesus come and was born and the father formed that child while he was inside of Mary. It was only then that Jesus had a body. He didn't have a body in the past. God is a spirit. But now, with this body, already having loved him and loving him with the love that you and I have never been able to love our own children with even, to even love ourselves with, a pure and holy love, and yet, because God's attitude about sin did not change. We read in that 53rd chapter of Isaiah. It pleased the Lord, speaking to the Father. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, His only begotten son. Why? Because he's mad at his son? No, he loved his son. He bruised him. He poured out his wrath upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he hates sin. As the one who was bearing our sin hated sin. Do you realize that God the Father's attitude about sin did not change even when it was his only begotten Son. The one who whom he said of him when he was being baptized and his voice boomed out from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now he's bearing my sin on that cross. And the father is pouring out the wrath that's due me on him he obtains the keys of hell and of death through his death, burial, and resurrection. If that doesn't happen, I don't have a salvation. But you see, there is a lake of fire. But Jesus obtained the keys. Oh, I think, and people have read over the years, the Poem, it's a good poem, of paradise lost. But do we really realize what was lost? Oh, it wasn't a garden that was the biggest thing that was lost. It was the the, the relationship and the separation from God. That was the biggest loss. And the only way that could be repaired is a perfect sacrifice. As I was mentioning of the lamb being a sacrifice without spot or wrinkle, before they would offer that lamb at the Passover, or even on the Day of Atonement, before they'd do it, before they'd slay it, they'd had that lamb facing the crowd that lamb would be turned to face the crowd. Why? Because that beautiful, unspotted lamb is going to be in a moment slain for their sin for whom this lamb is being slain. And they're going to see it cut open just like people at the cross saw the bleeding, broken body of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by whose stripes we are healed. Jesus said, as we told you this morning, he could have called 12 legions of angels. There's 6,000 in a legion. He could have called 12,000, 78,000 different angels. One angel killed in the book of Second Kings, 185,000 of Israel's enemies in one night by himself. One angel killed 185,000. He could have called 12 legions of angels. But if he does, you and I don't have a Savior and we spend eternity in hell. One of the songs I like to Heard here sung, <laughs> and you don't want to hear me sing, but the one the songs I like to hear sung is Oh, what a Savior! Oh, what a Savior! So, here's the one that comes to die, but we're seeing his heart. He's praying for us, but he's communing with the Father as he looks up to heaven. And now, that sinless son of God, who deserved nothing of what he will receive on the cross. He knows what's going to happen. He knows about that torture. That didn't catch him by surprise. Nothing caught him by surprise. He loved the world. So he says, Father, forgive him. They know not what they do. That's the sinless son of God. Oh, the torture of the one who could have killed everyone there instantly. We realize the impact. Or do we realize the impact of our sin? Even our sin of this very day was placed on him. And the Father's wrath is poured out on him. They cursed. They cursed him. They cursed his holy name. His ears are hearing scorn. They're hearing cursing by which he could have come down. If he be the Son of God, let him come down. They better be glad he didn't. And I'm glad he didn't. I wouldn't be saved today if he had come down. Oh, my goodness. Twelve legions of angels. But a love so powerful, he wouldn't have that deliverance by angels. A love so great that he would face this. And yet, knowing the consequences, that he would sweat huge drops that are thick as blood in order to pay our penalty. Yes, the love of God is greater far than tongue of pen could ever tell. But it remains fixed to that cross. As he remains there, he could have escaped, but he didn't. But through that cross, I escape by just deserts having received him as my Lord and Savior. My friend, there's a lot of people that don't like you to say things about hell in church or anywhere. Now, they like to use it as a cuss word and tell you where to go. But then they get upset. The same people that use that language get upset if you preach about hell in church. But hell is a reality. That's right. No one will ever escape it that's without Jesus Christ. I believe that because the rich man in hell could look across that great gulf that was there and see Lazarus laying in Abraham's bosom, and he cries out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he might just dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. Do you realize what he was saying? All he knew of Lazarus is that he was a man that laid at his gate full of sores. And he wants to finger the man that's full of sores now to come with his finger dipped in water to touch his tongue because he says, I am tormented in this flame. I don't know what kind of care he had for his brothers before that, but once he was in hell, he says, please let somebody raise from the dead. Let, Let Lazarus go and warn them of this place. And Abraham gives him the answer that I think God just said answer him this way. Just tell him. Tell him. Tell him they won't believe that one rose from the dead. And that's still true today. He had over 500 witnesses that seen him after his resurrection. And they still won't believe. We've seen the work of God in answer to prayer. Why won't people believe? But he has a love so powerful. And so holy. And so transfixed. That he is going to maintain and remain On that cross. That I through him. Will escape. My eternal punishment. In the lake of fire. Folks there is a hell. And if you die without Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. You take that last breath. I was telling brother Woodard about this. But it surrounding my mother's deathbed, all of us boys, her sons or five of us boys, but we were all surrounding her deathbed. They had just taken the breathing machine off of her, so to speak. And they said that she could. Go right away. She could last an hour or two, or she could go on for days. We didn't know. But we all got around that bed. And I remember my wife was standing behind me. I believe the other boys, their wives, were probably standing by or near them. And I was right up there on her left shoulder when she was laying on that bed at the left shoulder. And when she opened her eyes, it's the first time I've seen her eyes clear up in months. And she looked, and she just stared. And after a couple of minutes, she looked at my next brother and stared. The next one stared. Next one, she sits there and stares. And then she stares at the next one. Then she goes back around. Stares, stares. She stares at that one, that one. And then I'm the last one she looks at and stares. And then she pointed her head up and she stared straight up from that point forward. One of the brothers said, uh, well, they said this could go on for days. Let's just sit down. We've been standing here for a while. And so they sat down. I, I started to and then just something I believe it's the Lord to be honest with you. said, no, stay here. I want you to see something. So I stayed there and I watched those breaths get, but it got less and less. And when I saw that last breath, she went. Now let me tell you something. <clears throat> I didn't see a form. Okay, I want you to know this. I didn't see a form but I saw the spirit leave her body. Spirits don't have form by the way, but I saw the spirit leaving her body and I said, there she goes. And they all got up running around, got the nurse and said, she's gone, she's gone. I had one brother that, uh, who's also with the Lord now, but uh, he went in with the nurse and wanted to take the trach off. He said when he took the trach off of her, She had a smile on her face. So, you know, she went to heaven. She went to be with Jesus. And she was seeing a whole lot better things than her sons, especially Dick. Uh, But uh, he's not here. I can say that. Okay. (laughs) But no, what I'm saying is this. That happened, not because she's the greatest person that ever lived. She, that happened because she had received Jesus as her Savior, realizing that she was a sinner. And she had been saved. And, oh, I tell you, she was a witness. She was uh, active, active for the Lord. But I want you to know, that wasn't God of the heaven. It was Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Knowing him as your Lord and Savior. Your good works will not get you out of heaven. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from sin. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that guarantees our resurrection someday. Now he gave his life for us. Have you given your life to him? And if you have... Giving your life to Him? Are you growing in your walk with Jesus Christ? Or have you reverted to making your life more about yourself than the will of God? I haven't even scratched the, purpose, uh, the surface on this prayer. Haven't scratched the surface. But I just remember going through this chapter, didn't get too far, didn't get too far without just seeing the love that he has, his heart, his heart is in this crucifixion. His heart is in this prayer and it's for us. It's with the Father. It's with the Son. And Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and my Father are one. One. I believe that the Father too was suffering. Verses two and three will show us more, but before I look at that, and we're not going to look at that tonight, I just want us to think about for a moment here. I want us to look back here and think on the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter two, and to show you how good I do things sometimes, I had it marked I had a big thing in here so I could read it and not make any mistakes. And somehow I've lost my marker. But I want to read this verse. Because I think of this with the cross. He says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. He says, um, let me say, make sure I'm in the right place. I'm in chapter 1. I better get in chapter 2 where I said I was going to be, Okay. He says here, well, let's just start with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who? Being in the form of God. He was God. Amen. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation Think of him hanging naked on the cross with the people mocking him. He could have stopped that at any moment. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He's God. We should be his servants. But for me, he took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You realize in heaven we're higher than the angels, but we'll never be higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. But we'll have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. And being found in passion as a man, he humbled himself. Oh, that's, there's an understatement in the Bible, that's it. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, we read stories, you may have even seen somebody making a movie of the cross. But I don't know that we really are able to understand what the death of the cross was in that day. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the honor of glory of God the Father. And that day we're going to be gathered there with him. And we too will be able to bow the knee. And give honor and glory to the Father. But you know, we can't get there. On our own, the Lord takes us. You've got to be saved. Are you sure you're saved? If you are sure, you know, you can give a Bible reason why. You know that if you died today, that heaven's your home. My next question is, since 1 John 2.28 says of believers... Some will be ashamed at his appearing. Some will have confidence. Where are you on that? Are there things in your life? Is there something that's still going on? Is there something that you've kept hid? Is there something that's undercover? You'll be ashamed when it's revealed before all heaven. Oh, you can hide it. You can hide it from your wife, you can hide it from your husband, you can hide it from your children, you can hide it from your parents, you can hide it from so many, but you can't hide it from God. And then all those that are saved, that were those children, that were those parents, that were, was that wife, that was that husband, that was whatever. They'll know it then. They'll know it then. Because the hidden things of darkness will be revealed. But I wonder... I wonder, knowing that, are you willing as a Christian to change your life, to let God change your life, work in your life, get into a life of obedience and faith and service so that when you do appear, when he does appear, and we're caught up to be with him, instead of being ashamed, you'll have confidence. It can be that way if you give it all to Jesus. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, oh, I wish I had the very words that would adequately show the love and the heart of Jesus. I know the words I've said tonight and this morning (coughs) fall short of that. And yet, Lord, I hope that it helps us to examine ourselves and see the love of Christ for us. Lord, I pray that if there's one here tonight that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray that barrier would be broke down. I pray the fear of God would come into the heart and they would come and receive Christ as Savior this evening. I pray, Father, for Christians that the pride is more important than having that true Right relationship with Jesus Christ Things They're not willing to get right Because their pride I pray Father That that be defeated tonight And if there's anyone in this auditorium That's been hurt Or would be hurt When they found out something Then Lord Help them to realize as well That they, too, would be just as wrong not to be forgiving and not to love. Lord, I just pray that you would move in this invitation right now in the heart. I can't move any heart, but you can. And I pray that you will in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.